Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 17th of December 2022. And the title of this episode is Does Roll20 Own Drive Through RPG and One Bookshelf? Handiwork games are in the spotlight this month, as voted for by patrons. I am talking to John at Handiwork, and I know we're sneaking on towards the end of the month, but I figure we have a few more days to get something published. Now, in the geeky news this week, we've got two bits from Roll20. One of those is that Pathfinder and Starfinder community content will come to Roll20. That means more third-party created content available for both of those two popular tabletop games. And the other is that the DM's Guild community content program will also expand to Roll20. Now, the original agreement for that was between one bookshelf who own the DM's Guild and their partners, Wizards of the Coast, who have a connection to it. It's through the community content program and the DM's Guild that third party, people like you and me, can create material intended for D&D players, sell it, and keep some of the money. Expanding the program to Roll20's marketplace means that third-party creators can sell D&D-appropriate stuff, not just 5e-labeled content for the virtual tabletop. And that means setting expansions for Spelljammer, Dragonlance, Ravenloft, and the others. It's good news for Roll20. In the future, with one D&D, Wizards will have their own virtual tabletop to compete with Roll20, but for now, the two companies are working together. And Roll20 is in the place to have these conversations with Wizards, as it joined with One Bookshelf in July. At the time, it wasn't accurate to call it a merger, and I think that was important for legal reasons. So I've asked in this podcast whether Roll20 now owns One Bookshelf, and simply put, I don't know for sure, but I think the answer is not yet. And Roll20 isn't, of course, a company. It's a brand. The parent company is the Or Group. I know that my contacts at One Bookshelf now have Roll20 email addresses, and I've been told that the two companies are operating as one, and Kitlal is the boss. I also know that my affiliate payment from One Bookshelf now comes from a Roll20 PayPal account. Thank you, by the way. If you do buy DM's Guild, Storytelling Vault, or drive through downloads from links via Geek Native, you are helping me out as you are helping out other Geek Native writers. Now, my prediction is that when the legal and financial timing is right, the two companies will come together and make one company. Oh, a third bit of Roll20 news I have for you, and that's the Roll vs. Evil Roll20Con t-shirt competition. I was one of the few people, maybe less than 100 of us, to donate to Roll vs. Evil during Roll20Con 2022 and buy an especially designed t-shirt, so it's rare. And I've been sent two. So, if you're in the UK and wear or know somebody who would want a medium-sized t-shirt, then you can win my spare. It's never been worn. I've also put a Donate to Roll vs. Evil link in that competition, because that's the point of the exercise. If the OR group and Roll20's virtual tabletop represents good technology in today's podcast, let me now talk about Evil Tech. On the blog this week, and there's a link in the show notes, I talked to Glenn Moody, who argues that Twitter and most other big tech is rigged against creators. Glenn's point is that social media platforms now just use content that others create as raw material for their own empires and make more money doing so than the content creators. In the interview, we talk about that 
and if anything you can do about it, about D&D and Mastodon. We even discuss whether big companies are abusing copyright and there's a link to Glenn's free book all about that subject. And that's not all. DM's Guild designer, Alex Brandon, who has just released the Anathea campaign guide, also wrote the Old School People vs. Modern D&D article, which he presented as a balanced legal debate. There are pros and cons for both sides, and of course, even more for not picking unnecessary sides. Give it a read. A game that's not a million miles from D&D rules, but absolutely not D&D, is Pugmire. That's a tabletop RPG from Pugsteady and Onyx Path, in which most PCs are humanoid dogs who explore the ruins from the Age of Man. Realms of Pugmire, that's the second edition, has just been announced, and I've seen a lot of love for the setting on social media. Now what struck me though, is that Pugmire 2 won't be out until 2025. Would you buy a copy of Pugmire 1 at the tail end of 2022, now that you know it will be replaced in about two years? And if not, what will happen to Pugmire sales? Will Onyx and Pugsteady put a note on their drive through RPG page to say that Edition 2 has been announced as a way to be transparent for potential buyers? And do they need to? I mean, there's always backwards compatibility. I'm also struck that I've not encountered this ethical and marketing debate before, as we've absolutely had Kickstarters from new editions. I guess what we have here is Onyx Path's savvily long lead dates on their Kickstarter projects, and it's exasperating the debate. Another RPG that I want to talk about, and yes, this is one more audio EXP podcast that's dominated by RPG news, is Rivers of London. Chaosium's streamlined BRP take on Wizards and Muscle Cars, the series from Ben Anovich, is spot on. Set in London, where the rivers are powerful spirits or even little gods, there are one or two cops who study magic and try and keep the peace. It's a very successful novel series, a comic book franchise, and a TV series that keeps on trying to happen. I think it's more important that you know a bit about role-playing than you need to know about Rivers in London to enjoy the game but you don't need to know about either. Rivers of London absolutely gets my thumbs up. Or, if you're looking to make the most of your existing library of RPGs, then what about the newly released and free-to-download Savage Rifts Conversion Guide that takes Savage Worlds rules and helps you adapt them to Palladium system? Usually, conversion guides go from old to new, but this is new to old, and that makes sense since you might have Savage World rules you fancy trying in Rifts, while preferring the original Rift system. And yep, we're back to discussing third-party content and other nuances of licenses here. The other freebie I've t- called out is Star Trek Adventures Mysteries. This is the ninth set of mission briefs for the 2D20 game, which showing incredible support for the line. And you can get the eight previous all from the blog, as I put all the links in one post, so you don't have to hunt around. On to bundles, and talk about timing. There are two Rifts offers in the bundle of holding. There's the core mega bundle, which gets you the ultimate edition of the Palladium version and a host more. There's also another offer for Rifts Land and Sea, which has different world books, such as Rifts Atlantis. Now, what do you think of DC dropping Henry Cavill as Superman? I hope he didn't walk from The Witcher for the Raw. However, Cavill's latest project has already been announced. 
I think it would be really hard to do well, but amazing if it works. It's a Warhammer 40k series. And we're talking about bundles, right? So yes, Humble has a Wrath and Glory deal. That's the latest Warhammer 40k RPG. And lastly, just a quick update on the genre police. At the end of November, I published Ben's all-adventurous welcome piece about inclusion at the gaming table. And I was supposed to follow it with making mistakes, which is about the mistakes you might make while trying to do the right thing. Yep, I made a mistake. And while Making Mistakes is live now, I put Pacemaker in between. Pacemaker is an article on episodic design and campaigns. I think you can read them in any order, but the two diversity ones work best together. Perhaps in 2023, I'll find the time to link all the genre police articles together in a handy way. So let's finish up there. I hope the month is treating you kindly, and I'll see you next week.